This episode is sponsored by Fortuna Games STL. Owners Will and Ashley have a quaint shop here in St. Louis City. They have lots of Magic the Gathering and Pokemon cards on hand, as well as board games and accessories, like card sleeves that I am always ranting about. Use coupon code ELABG10 for 10% off your purchase. If you don't see what you're looking for on their website, fortunagames.net, just email them and see if they can get it for you at fortunagames at gmail.com. Fortuna Games, for all your lunchtime board gaming needs. A few months back, I reviewed a hilarious game about a group of cats on their ninth and final life. I then interviewed the man that handmade each copy of that game. Then, out of the blue, Colby Lippincott reached back out to me to inform me that his new game, Quest for the Trident, was available. I couldn't resist. I had to try the latest from Lab Rats Board Games. I received the handmade, custom-designed wooden box with the familiar 3D printed components holding it together, three different decks of cards, and 3D printed tokens inside. Also included was a small expansion, Winds of Change. Kobe also informed me that he had the help of two students in his game design class with the design of Quest for the Trident. In the game, you and your opponents are trying to steal the Trident from the almighty god of the sea, Poseidon himself. Why would you be doing this? Well, he has been angry with the humans, and the people can no longer wait for him to be appeased. So, stealing his trident will take his power. All that is required is exploring the seas, obtaining the Tome of the Gods, taking it to Poseidon's palace, stealing the trident, and hiding it. In that order. Oh, and avoiding your fellow sailors who are attempting the same thing, but there's only one trident, and this game is not cooperative. I took the game to work, sat down at lunch with a few co-workers, and set up Quest for the Trident, and set sail to steal a god's most precious item. Welcome back to Lunch and Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins, and let's take a look at the rule clarity for Quest for the Trident. The rules are quite clear. They are also quite small. They are the size of two cards front and back. There are a few rules, but each one is well explained. Time to explain to newcomers. Less than 10 minutes. Each of the different tile types needs to be covered, as do the basic actions. After that, set up and go. Gameplay. To set up, place the starting harbor tile in the middle of the play area. Find Poseidon's palace tile, count out 10 random tiles from the rest, and shuffle the palace into it. Then shuffle the remaining tiles and place them face down on top of the 11 containing the palace. Each player should have a boat and three meeple of their color. Finally, each player needs a capsized card and a reference card. Roll for first player. On a turn, the active player rolls one standard d6. The resulting number is the amount of spaces a player may move on this turn. Each movement must be orthogonal. No diagonals are allowed. 
If moving onto a blank space, draw a tile from the stack and place it on the grid where the opening was. The tile could be one of nine types. Now that might seem like a lot, but they are really quite self-explanatory. First up, you have the Calm Seas. 24 of these tiles, half of the deck. Nothing happens. This smooth sailing. Next, you have Stormy Seas. There are three of these, and you simply stop moving. Then there's the Rocky Waters. Three of these. They stop your movement, but you must roll the die. If the result is one or two, you capsize. I'll explain more about capsizing in a bit. Fourth are the shifting seas. There are four of these tiles. These require you to flip any two tiles in play that are face up to face down. Then swap any two tiles regardless of their orientation, keeping them in that same orientation of face up or face down. And this occurs anytime any boat enters the tile. On a side note, do this a lot. Mix the tiles up. Throw people off. Test their memory. Next up are the whirlpools. There are six. You must follow either arrow on the tile and cease moving at that point. Then there are the hideaways. Five of these. You have the option to claim one if you start your turn on an unclaimed hideaway. Each of the hideaways gives you a unique special ability and one is required for the end game. You must return the trident to your hideaway. You can claim up to three. Get those special abilities. Seventh is the Kraken. Sadly, there is only one, and he immediately capsizes your boat. I wish there were more of these in the deck. Move it around with the shifting seas. As I said earlier, keep testing your opponent's memories. Then there's the Island of Knowledge. Only one of these. If you are the first to discover this tile, you receive the Tome of the Gods. And last, Poseidon's Palace. If you're the first to discover this tile with the Tome of the Gods, you receive the Almighty Trident. So, once the die is rolled, the active player may move up to the amount shown, but it can stop at any time. You may choose to stop on a hideaway to claim it on your next turn. At the start of your turn, you can claim the hideaway by placing your meeple on it. Take the corresponding card and receive that specific hideaway's special ability. I would advise you try to maximize its ability. Also, this is your entire turn, so beware of that. Or you might want to stop on a claimed hideaway and try to take it from a player. Simply stop on their hideaway and roll the die. A result of 4 through 6, you take it. A 1 through 3, well, you capsize. So let's talk about capsizing. It is simple. You drop any items that you might have onto the space. And by items, that would be either the tome or the trident. And then you place your boat back in the harbor or one of your hideaways on its side and flip your car to the capsized side. No one can attack an already capsized boat. Speaking of attacking, you may also attack other players' boats. If you ever enter a tile containing another player's boat, you attack. Each of you roll a die, highest number wins, ties go to the defender, loser capsizes, and winner takes any items currently on a boat. Lastly, there are two rules governing the movement. First up, the board may only be as large as 7x7 
or three away in each cardinal direction from the harbor. And you can never go outside this boundary. If a whirlpool would boot a boat outside of it, simply rotate the whirlpool. This is the only time a tile may be rotated. As I said in the opening, all you have to do to win is find the Tome of the Gods, take it to the place to get the trident, and get the trident to your hideaway while dodging your opponents who are trying to do the same thing. Or you could wait for somebody else to get the tome and take it from them. Or you could wait on somebody else to get the tome and then get the trident and then take the trident from them. Scheming and backstabbing are encouraged. Replayability. Quest for the trident contains a lot of replayability in its tight, efficient, custom-made box. Two things play a factor into its immense replayability. The first, the 48 tiles are randomized and drawn from a face-down pile, and the second comes from the die rolling. These keep each game unique and entertaining. Component Quality as with his other game, Corpse Cat, Engineer Colby took it upon himself to design the wooden box in the shape of a treasure chest. He uses the same system to hold the box together, but this time, the inside of the box is designed to hold and separate each of the three different sized cards and the rules. As with Corpse Cat, all the cards are handmade. Also, each of the 3D components were designed and printed by Colby. All these components are well made, and I have no doubt they will hold up to repeated play. And as with Corpse Cat, there are two D6s to keep gameplay moving and attacks to be rolled simultaneously. Perhaps putting two different color die would make this a little bit better. Lunchtime Potential I played this game two times at work over a lunch hour. Both times the game was completed in under 60 minutes, yet over 30 minutes. Quest for the Trident will not work for lunch half hour, despite what it says on the box. Artwork. The artwork is minimal. What there is lacks the fun and energy of Corpse Cat. I talked with the designer Colby about the art. He told me that he and the kids utilized AI and some other digital art programs for the artwork. It doesn't hurt the game or gameplay any, but this area could have used some extra work. Expansions. Winds of Change comes with the game and fits well into the box. After you play the base game once... Maybe twice, but probably only once. Add the expansion in. Then, just leave it in. It makes the game feel complete. The base game was entertaining, but it lacked something. What it lacked was its expansion. The water spouts add chaos. The wind, offering a free movement, changes the game in huge ways. To set up the expansion, replace the three Stormy Seas tiles with Zephyr's Gale and three regular Calm Seas tiles with the water spouts. You will also need to shuffle and place the wind deck near the board, flip the top wind card, and it shows the direction that the wind is blowing. And a boat can travel one space in that direction for free. This is game changing. The Zephyr's Gale tiles stop a boat's movement, but a new wind card is flipped over. Like the changing seas I talked about above, do this often. Keep people on their toes. Then the water spouts. They allow a boat to travel from one to another. You can jump around the board faster and easier. Use them. This expansion added so much more to the game. It makes scheming more important. 
calculating your plans of attack or retreat. Moving the water spouts with the shifting seas can become so important. After we played with Winds of Change, we decided not to bother with the base game anymore. Bang for the buck. A $42 Etsy purchase might seem a bit steep. So, I highly recommend using the code EATLUNCH, all capitals, E-A-T-L-U-N-C-H, for 10% off. Colby was generous enough to offer that as a coupon code to the listeners of this show. Now, that makes the game under $40, so go get it. It offers plenty of enjoyment. Also, $2 from each copy sold goes to the two students that helped Colby design the game. You should buy this to support the young minds that are creating tomorrow's games. Summary. I love supporting small game publishers. I am one. I know the struggles. I know the complications. I know that it is hard to get your game out there. Colby sells mainly through his Etsy shop. I also urge you to learn the game and the expansion and then just play it that way from now on. It adds a new layer of strategy to the game. You would not have known Quest for the Triton was created by Colby with two elementary students had I not told you. What really draws me to this game is that it gets better and more chaotic with more players. I've only gotten it up to four players so far. I really want to get to a full five. I love chaos and that would surely be chaotic. Don't forget to get your copy for 10% off with the code EATLUNCH, E-A-T-L-U-N-C-H, all capitals, off his Etsy store, Lab Rats Board Games. And as usual, you can reach out to me at eatlunchandboardgame.com, podandbox.com slash eatlunchandboardgame, facebook.com slash eatlunchandboardgame, or you can email me at eatlunchandboardgame at gmail.com. And remember, board games build bridges. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.